Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're at episode 14 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. We left off last time with a promise to talk more about groundwater. So maybe we should title this episode, Unseen, Unheard Groundwater. There's almost always water below your feet. Sometimes it's a lot, and sometimes hardly any at all. There is a huge egg-shaped bowl of water below Denver. It stretches from Colorado Springs to Greeley. I don't know exactly when these aquifers were discovered, but they are now known as the Denver Basin Aquifers. There are four major aquifers stacked like pancakes on top of each other. From top to bottom, they are the Dawson, Denver, Arapahoe, and Laramie Fox Hills. All four aquifers are really sandstone rock that the water has seeped into. Just think of pouring water onto a gritty rock. It turns a darker color. You could dry off the rock, and it will still be a darker color because some water has seeped, maybe a micron, into the rock. These aquifers are really sandstone rock that has water in the pores. How much water? Typically, about 15% of the volume of the rock is water. The remaining 85% is just plain old rock. But water does move through the rock, and that's why it's an aquifer. The looser the sandstone is, the easier water can move through it. I assume this makes sense to you. The tightness of the sandstone may be different in different aquifers, and thus different aquifers usually have different water-bearing and water-yielding characteristics. The water in the Denver Basin aquifers was geologically trapped eons ago. It's rain that fell when mastodons, or maybe dinosaurs, ranged here. How long ago was that? I can't grasp the numbers geologists discuss, but hundreds of millions of years ago. These are non-tributary freshwater aquifers. Remember that non-tributary means the water from these aquifers does not reach any stream. The water in these aquifers is trapped geologically, kind of like putting water in a Ziploc bag, sealing it up, and laying it on the counter. No water escapes, and very little, if any, enters. They are non-tributary and non-renewable. All this area was probably flat back then. And then the Rocky Mountains began to be formed. When they were pushed up, they also pushed up the western edge of all these flat aquifers. Why is that important? Suppose you and a friend are holding a garden hose that is full of water. Both of you have your thumbs over the ends of the hose. Your friend begins to walk up an incline, still holding his end of the hose. He may now be 10 feet above you in elevation. He no longer has to hold his thumb over his end of the hose to keep the water from coming out. But you better your end of the hose now has pressure on it. The same sort of thing happened to the Denver Basin aquifers. 
They were geologically sealed, but when the mountains got pushed up, the western edges of these four aquifers were raised several hundred feet. Guess what? That created pressure in the flat portions of the aquifers that are still lying out on the plains. But nothing happened because the aquifers were sealed. That is, until someone drilled a water well into one of those aquifers. Now the water was suddenly no longer trapped, but had an escape hole. It would have been like you suddenly taking your thumb off your end of the hose. The water is going to come gushing out and get you wet. When that happens in a water well, and there is enough pressure to bring the water to the surface, it is called an artesian well. If there's enough pressure, the water will actually form a fountain that sprays into the air. It turns out that Douglas County, a large county southeast of Denver, rests over the heart of the Denver Basin Aquifers. The first well into the Denver Basin Aquifers may have been drilled by someone near Castle Rock. I don't know. But at some point, people did drill lots of wells near Castle Rock and throughout Douglas County. More about these wells in just a few minutes. For you out-of-staters, Castle Rock is the county seat of Douglas County. Castle Rock is about halfway between Denver and Colorado Springs. It was started in the 1870s. The main attraction in Castle Rock at that time was a deposit of rhyolite. I don't know anything about rhyolite, except maybe it makes good crushed stone. Castle Rock is located along the banks of Plum Creek, a tributary to the Platte that runs along the valley heading into Denver. There are minimal flows in Plum Creek, not enough to support much growth. Other than Plum Creek, there are no surface supplies to speak of in all of Douglas County. Since this is not good agricultural land, there was little need for water. Good thing. Plum Creek may have served the early days of Castle Rock, but the growing community needed more water. I searched but could not find when the earliest wells were drilled, or maybe dug by hand, into the Denver Basin aquifers. Rotary drilling began in about 1920 on fixed platforms. But by the 1950s, well drilling was fairly common practice and was mounted on trucks, so wells could be dug fairly easily and more economically. Wells were drilled by individuals for their houses, and later, larger wells were drilled for municipal purpose. The water was cool, clean, and abundant. And as luck would have it, the bullseye for the thickest and best part of all the aquifers is about the Castle Rock-Parker area. Parker's another town in Douglas County, about 20 miles north of Castle Rock. When Castle Rock first started to grow, there was little thought to the water source. Water from the aquifers below Castle Rock was plentiful, easy to drill, and everywhere you drilled, you hit water. It may have been down 300 to 2,000 feet, but it was there. 
Because the water was either fully artesian or came near the surface, it was cheap to pump good, clean water. Most of the rural homes were on individual wells, and there were no concerns. Supposedly, the Denver Basin held as much water as Lake Erie. Engineering studies during the 1970s and 1980s put the amount of groundwater in the Denver Basin aquifers at around 300 million acre-feet. That could serve a lot of homes. Thinking in terms of hundreds of millions of acre-feet creates a mindset that the water will be there forever. Using this non-renewable water seemed like a good idea for a long time. It was cheap, clean, and plentiful. More and more wells were dug into the vast and seemingly inexhaustible Denver Basin. By the 1950s, geologists understood these basins. The best was the Arapaho. It was thick and sprawled 4,300 square miles from north of Denver to Colorado Springs in the south and from Golden in the west all the way to Lyman on the eastern plains. The basement aquifer, the Laramie Fox Hills, is larger in area, about 7,000 square miles, but not as productive because it is thinner or the sandstones are tighter, allowing for less transmissivity of water. But development based on ancient non-renewable aquifers has an Achilles heel. Each new well drilled into the aquifer weakens it, and once the water is pumped out, it's lost forever. In describing the problem, hydrologists liken the aquifer to a champagne bottle. Once the cork is popped or a well is drilled, the fizz pushes water close to the surface. Interestingly, the Denver Brown Palace Hotel used this artesian pressure to power its elevators for decades until the fizz went away. Douglas County has been using water pushed toward the surface by this so-called fizz for decades. But just as a champagne bottle left open too long goes flat, hundreds of new wells drilled in the past 40 years have bled off the fizz. Once it's gone, wells begin to draw from the champagne itself. But unlike the free-flowing liquid in a champagne bottle, Water in the Denver Basin is encased in sandstone. It takes a lot of energy to literally suck the water out. Everything water was still rosy in Castle Rock in the 1980s and even the early 1990s. But more and more people started moving in and punching down more and more water wells. Douglas County grew faster than any other county in the nation throughout the 1990s. The numbers are staggering. In 1970, all of Douglas County had 8,400 people. In 1980, 25,000. In 1990, 60,000. By the year 2000, Douglas County's population had zoomed to 175,000. In 2010, 285,000, and now about 360,000. 
it's hard for cities or water planters to keep up with that kind of growth. Water wells were thought to be the solution for a long time into the future. In the 1990s, some of the earlier wells that might not have been that deep suddenly started losing pressure and had to be pumped harder. To keep the water flowing, wells were deepened and larger pumps installed. By the year 2000, the Denver Basin aquifers were clearly being drained with no recharge. Water levels were dropping as much as 30 foot a year. Stories were circulating in the local papers about families that could no longer take long showers and had to halt all outdoor watering so they could have enough water to flush toilets and cook with. Scary times for thousands of homeowners with individual wells and those served by Castle Rock and other communities that almost wholly depended on Denver Basin aquifers. Officials and water experts had known for many years that the wells supplying water to the growing South Metro area could deplete eventually, but many had relied on a prediction of 100 to 500 years for the life of this non-renewable underground resource. Those rosy projections started to change rapidly. Suddenly, experts said that the natural pressure that pushes water toward the surface of the wells was going to be lost by 2010. After that, pumping water to the surface becomes more difficult and expensive. There was disagreement on whether the drop in well levels would stabilize or keep dropping. Castle Rock officials and other towns in Douglas County began to scramble for alternatives. Even sooner, water in some areas could become too expensive to pump. Data then being collected by experts suggested the pessimistic scenario was playing out. Wells in the affluent community of Castle Pines North had been dropping an average of 34 foot a year, according to its water consultant. Those were scary times for residents of Douglas County and particularly Castle Rock and Parker. There was so much concern at the state level that a bill was passed that essentially required a notice on homes being sold that said something on the order of, warning, the house you are buying is being served by an aquifer that is running out of water. Boy, that would scare me away. Man, if you thought water officials in the Denver area began to panic after the demise of Two Forks Reservoir in 1990, those involved with water planting throughout Douglas County began to scream their message that something had to be done. Screaming works. A group called the South Metro Water Supply Authority was formed in 2004 to search for alternatives to groundwater. The closest surface water is the Platte, but that is all taken. But they started looking at the Platte nonetheless. All the while, I'm sure they were pleading with Denver and Aurora to share their Platte River water. Remember, 
that Aurora came up with its plan to build the Prairie Waters Project after the severe 2003 drought. Gee, if Aurora builds a huge pipeline bringing Platte River water, really sewage return flows, back to the south side of Aurora, maybe South Metro Water Supply could somehow tap into this to get renewable water back to the citizens of Douglas County. Originally, a few districts joined together, but now South Metro Water Supply Authority has 13 water district members. These providers joined forces out of the need to get away from dependence on a non-renewable supply. By coming together and partnering on projects and initiatives, they would be more effective, have more political influence, and begin to move away from groundwater reliance. It took several years, but with Denver and Aurora combining their infrastructures and agreeing to share water supplies when possible, they formed WISE, which stands for Water Infrastructure and Supply Efficiency. We've talked about that. It is a regional partnership that provides new supply by combining unused capacities in Aurora's Prairie Water Project with unused water supplies coming from Denver and Aurora. During the years, Denver and Aurora don't need all of that water, and when excess capacity is available in Prairie Waters, the South Metro Water Supply Authority can buy the unused water to help reduce its reliance on non-renewable groundwater. WISE works by pulling water that Denver and Aurora have a legal right to reuse from the South Platte River near Brighton. This is the sewage effluent water that we discussed in Episode 6. Water for farmers on down the Platte is being reduced and it seems that no one has said anything about it. Yes, it's water that is legally owned by Denver and Aurora, but is silently taking 60,000 acres out of production. That sounds an awful lot like buying dry to me. Simply put, the project's benefits accrue this way. Denver Water develops a new water supply by being able to use Aurora's Prairie Water System and a new revenue stream by selling its unused sewage effluent water to the South Metro Area water providers. Aurora Water benefits by selling unused water and putting unused treatment and pipeline capacity to use while receiving revenue that helps keep its water rates down. The South Metro Water Supply Authority receives a permanent renewable water supply, helping to reduce its reliance on non-renewable groundwater. By using renewable supplies, even if they are sewage effluent, the cities in Douglas County may not need so much groundwater. According to the South Metro Water Supply Authority's website, the 13 participating members of South Metro Water Supply Authority had a 30% use 
of renewable supplies in 2005. In 2019, it looks like they are up to about 55% renewable, and they project by 2065, they will get at least 85% of their water from this renewable source. I very much want to interview Lisa Darling, Executive Director of South Metro Water Supply Authority, to see how they are tracking. Of course, they will continue to maintain their water wells as a backup in drought years. I hope Lisa can tell me what happens if Denver and Aurora want to grow. Is Denver and Aurora water a guarantee? If so, for how long? Lots of good questions to ask. I still want to talk about the town of Parker and its participation in South Metro Water Supply Authority. It has a new reservoir, Ruder Hess. It's complicated how all these water supplies and storage facilities play together. But the purpose of this podcast series is simply to alert you to the many facets of water in Colorado. Once you understand some of the relationships, you can do a lot of Google searches on your own to get more detail. We'll have to wait till next time to talk about Parker and Ruder Hess. Let's stop, maybe have a cup of coffee. I'll always accept that cup of coffee if you think this is helpful to your knowledge. Then we can go sit by our mountain stream and relax. See you next time.